before we started recording, you were saying like, do I have any any COVID stories to tell? Uh, you know, over the course of this, I was like, oh, yeah, I have one. I thought I would wait until we started recording to talk about the time everyone in my family but me got COVID <laughs> over the holidays. Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, we're back for another episode, a happy new year episode of Medical Dads. But if I don't sound that happy, it's because I'm not. I'm miserable. <laughs> what what could possibly be bothering you in 2022? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. All I know is that I sat down to edit one of our old episodes where we were like, eh, what's with this Omnicon business or whatever? <laughs> and we kind of dismissed it. We're like, the end is in sight. I think, I think either you or me, one of us said the end is in sight. The end of the pandemic is on the horizon. And then wham, suddenly <laughs> both you and I are back in these cities that are under lockdown, I think. Uh, I mean, just the fact that schools that said kids can't go back to school, that right there <laughs> changes everything. That brings you right back to, to 2020, March 2020. Yeah, it feels like we haven't gone anywhere in the last two years, doesn't it? Oh, man. Although I suppose with Omicron, what we've been seeing is that it's way, way more contagious, something like four times more contagious. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, people don't seem to be getting as sick with it as they were with the right. other variants. Otherwise, right. we would have lost 10% of the population already. <laughs> well, part of the thing about this is that, yeah, a friend of mine asked me like, you know, early December, he's like, oh, what do you make of this whole Omicron business? And at that point, I was in a deluded state. I was saying... I know, whatever, I'm sick of talking about the virus. I kind of blew off the question. I was like, whatever, we survived the first few strains. I'm ready to do homeschooling if necessary. You know, let's just move on. I don't want to talk about this, yeah. right? Little did I realize that they're going to throw a curveball at us and it'll be just like the original thing, but worse in many ways. Right? <laughs> I mean, the silver lining of it is that it's, you know, presumably it's not as fatal, right? It's not as virulent in the sense of making people as sick, right? That's right. That's the silver lining. And I don't even want to think about like the opposite of the silver lining, which is that the entire human race is just hanging on by this little thread that this virus is not as you know, fatal as the original one. If it had gone the other way, if it was a little bit more fatal, yeah. right? A little bit more fatal and transmissible, which feels like we're only one mutation away from. Like, I don't know much about the basic science, but I feel like the entire human race is hanging on by a very thin thread. <laughs> the, the podcast I, that I've been editing over the last, uh, over the last day, uh, so it hasn't aired yet. It will by time people hear this one, most likely. Uh, but in it, there's, we're having a conversation where you're trying to wrap your head around. I don't understand why they're saying that we need to get people vaccinated more to protect us from Omicron <laughs> if the Omicron doesn't uh, necessarily stop when you have the vaccine. And we were having this discussion trying to break down well, what exactly what that means. I think now, with the hindsight, it's a lot more obvious what they're talking about. <laughs> Is that Omicron, like you said, it's uh, it's much more contagious, but it's not as deadly. And we're one mutation away 
from Omicron <laughs> becoming super contagious and as deadly as the other versions of uh, COVID or worse. Yeah, but, but, but nobody is talking about that. Nobody is talking about the end of the human race as we know it, except here on Medical Dads. <laughs> We're willing to put that out there for people. <laughs> That's right. Just in case you weren't worried enough about what could happen next with COVID, <laughs> let us just reassure you that it can get a lot worse. <laughs> All kidding aside, Mentally, I was feeling that, you know, if we had to do the same thing over again, you know, you know, I was prepared. Like I've been, you know, you know, obviously as the restrictions have been lifting over the last year, you know, I've been going out more, started playing tennis. I, I'm, you know, getting takeout with abandon now. Yeah. You know, life in some ways is better. You know, I've seen my parents, you know, seeing my nephew at times. I was ready. I thought I had it all covered, right? Yeah. I did not realize we we're going to have to go into this super like cautious mode because even the masks and like everything I heard about the virus before is no longer true, right? Yeah. Before there was all this talk about, you know, your regular mask is okay. You could wear a cloth mask. You could have a nice fancy fabric mask with a nice pattern on it, yeah. right? And our kids could go to school and not have to worry about stuff too much because the whole thing was that the virus is contagious, but not that contagious. And now suddenly that whole thing has flipped, right? Yeah. It doesn't seem safe to do anything. Like I remember... At some point in the pandemic, people go in ape about, is this thing airborne or not? Like, is it droplet? Is it airborne? Is it aerosolized? And I think you and, yeah, you and I even talked about this on the show. Yeah. And now the, what I'm hearing is that this is just everywhere. Yep. <laughs> it's everywhere in the environment. It hangs in the air. It ain't going away. Like, even if you leave the room behind you, like, this is a, th this is a mess, <laughs> I got to say. <laughs> this is, this is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Before we started recording, you were saying, like, do I have any, any COVID stories to tell uh, you know, over the course of this? I was like, oh, yeah, I have one. I thought I would wait until we started recording to talk about the time everyone in my family but me got COVID <laughs> over the holidays. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story I hadn't, uh, hadn't had a chance to tell yet. <laughs> All right. Do tell, do tell. So... Um, it must have been December 22nd, so a few days before Christmas. Uh, and we had plans that we were going to see my, uh, see my parents and some of my siblings with their kids over, over Christmas break. Uh, and even leading up to that, um, my kids had been in, uh, in gymnastics, and uh, one of them was taking a musical theater class. And uh, mm -hmm. kind of the, about a week leading up to this, uh, she's supposed to go to musical theater class, and then I'm saying, oh, well, like, it's your last class of the season, so I gotta understand if you wanna go to it. Um, but at the same time, I'm just starting to get this sense from what I'm seeing at work and from what I'm seeing in the media that this, this, this thing called Omicron is that much more contagious. And she said, you know mm -hmm. what, I do want to go to my last musical theater class, but I want to see my cousins even more. So I, you know what, I'm going to skip that class uh, so that I don't have to worry and I can see my cousins. Uh, we got together with one of, my sets of, one of the sets of cousins on December 22nd. On December 23rd, okay. uh, we get a phone call that one of those kids has, uh, had somebody on a a, a team that they play on or something like this who had tested positive for COVID. Uh, so they tested mm. this kid and now this one of the cousins is positive for COVID. So we're finding this out the day after we'd spent time with his family uh, <laughs> decorating the Christmas tree at, uh, at grandma's house. Um, right. So we're like, uh oh, that's not good. So, you know, starting to put the brakes now on Christmas plans, but still thinking like, oh, you know, th that, that set of cousins is out, but, you know, maybe there's still some possibility to have Christmas with the rest of the family. 
Then by December 24th, I think, or December, maybe December 25th? No, December 24th, uh, I think one of my kids is now not having the same amount of energy as usual, starting to cry easily, uh, feels a little mm. bit warm. And I'm at, I'm at work when this is happening. Um, so yeah, this must have been Christmas Day because I was wearing Christmas Day. So uh, anyway, by the time I get home, uh, this kid has had a, one of these home kits that the school sent you with uh, is testing positive. Mm. And with Omicron, there is no thing of being, oh, maybe it's a false positive. There's no thing of saying, oh, it was a faint line, uh, but you know, maybe it's a, it's a false positive. If you have symptoms uh, and you're testing yourself with a home kit, like a rapid antigen test, uh, if you're testing it at random, sure, maybe there's about a one in a hundred chance of a false positive. But if you're testing it because you had a reason to and it's positive, you're positive. <laughs> you know, don't, don't delude yourself. So anyway, that kid is positive. Then by by the time I'm coming home and my wife's telling me about it, uh, she herself is starting to not feel that well. By the next day, it's obvious that she has COVID. Then uh, then my son, I think, was the next one to, to start to become symptomatic. At one point, uh, I'm testing negative and two of the other kids are testing negative. So that house is split like down the middle of people with COVID and people not. Uh, but then the, the, the next daughter, she gets symptomatic. And then the last one, she succumbs. So now all the kids have COVID. Because I work in a hospital, as soon as one kid tests positive, I had to go and get uh, the proper like, PCR test. And I had to do a rapid right. antigen test on myself that day before I could go to work. Uh, then I go to work with all my precautions on, uh, and now I have to continue to test myself uh, every day. They gave me 10 home tests to use for myself, so I had to test myself every day. Um, so mm-hmm. today actually is the 10th day. I have to test myself today, and if, uh, <laughs> if that one is negative, then I'll have gone through all the tests and tested negative so far. This begs the question, what is the trick? How are you not getting COVID when everyone else around you has it? What's the secret? <laughs> Humanity needs to know this. It, it may actually be, in all seriousness, the booster. Because I had my third shot. I had my booster. And I had it uh, at the beginning of December. So mm. well in advance of this. Whereas my wife right. had her two shots and had was about to get her booster, but had not got it yet uh, when she right. got symptomatic. Because they had just changed the rules, right, for when you could get it. They right. moved it to earlier. So she was about it. Right. Uh, she hadn't got it yet, but she was scheduled to. And then then this right. happened and the kids have all only had one up at this that's point, right all right? the kids had only had one up to this point and they're talking with colleagues at work because people i've worked to work with have gotten it as well I, at least one person was saying he had his booster but uh he'd only had it 10 days before his wife had got covid <laughs> and then he got covid so uh, it may well be that having the booster and having had it with enough time for it to work is the is the secret or conversely <laughs> It may also be that I've just had COVID so many times since the beginning of this pandemic <laughs> without really realizing it uh, that I've just have immune from that point. So this begs so many questions, but another question that jumps out at me, if, well, the first big question is, how's everyone doing? Is everyone back to normal? Uh, everybody's doing fine. Uh, all the kids are essentially back to normal. And my wife, who had it right more or less from the beginning, uh, it's taken mm-hmm. her as an adult longer to feel 100% than it seems to have taken the kids. So she's pretty much back to normal, but she's doing some activities and saying like, ah, yeah, I, I'm wondering why my arms are getting tired. And then I'm remembering, oh, yeah, that's right. I have COVID. Um, so, yeah, everyone's <laughs> almost back to normal. So then how did you guys pull this stunt off of like trying to keep, did you actually keep the house separated in half and like you guys didn't go to one half? No. Eventually, you're the only person on that half of the house. <laughs> no, no, no. Omicron, man. Omicron. You don't, you don't isolate in your house when you have Omicron. When you get COVID, <laughs> everybody has COVID. <laughs> Full stop. 
<laughs> so by comparison, actually, my uh, my the cousin who was the first person to get it at that house uh, early on, they had kept this one kid isolated, alone in a bedroom with a TV and I think some video games and having meals brought to the door in the hopes of the rest right. of the family not getting it. But this, uh, but within three or four days, all the other kids were testing positive in that house as well. So right. I. I don't see a ton of value in trying to uh, to isolate everybody where Omicron is concerned. I think if you're living in the same house as people and you're breathing that air, then it's going to spread. <laughs> well, it's it's terrible to hear that you guys got it, but great for the podcast because now you're on the front lines of the breaking medical story of the moment, That's right? right. <laughs> That's right. And it's crazy because you would have thought that uh, my family would have had it by now from me bringing it home from work. Because I mean, when Omicron mm -hmm. started taking off, I'm seeing several patients a day who are already know that they're COVID positive when they're when they're coming in, and I've got my mm -hmm. N95 mask and my mask over that mask with a visor and all this kind of stuff. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, we don't even know if the N95 mask is like how effective that is for truly stopping people from getting Omicron. You know, is it is it just that we're breathing it in? Is it is it that we're touching surface, touching our eyes, or whatever? But um, yeah, no one knows. I mean. I recall, I mean, I'm sure you recall working in a hospital that you got fitted for your N95s. Not all N95s are the same. Right. Now people are just running in and out of stores grabbing anything with the label N95. They're not even all the same. No. And then, like, we're ordering N95s for the kids now, right? Yeah. And, and Presuming that if they have to go back to school at some point. And I'm like, shouldn't they be fitted for this? Like, what kind of N95s are the kids supposed to wear? I, I have no idea. I think the only advantage of people wearing N95 masks that aren't fitted. It's just that uh, the regular mask ha has some obvious big gaps in it where you're clearly breathing in that like, outside air. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas the uh, N95 mask, even one that doesn't is not fitted, is still tighter on your face and doesn't have those big gaps. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we don't understand. I don't think it's well understood yet. Is it that Omicron is actually like not spread on a droplet? It's a tinier particle, and that it, it filters through a regular mask, or is mm -hmm. it that uh, um, Omicron is still traveling on droplets, but they just people just get infected that much more easily, and so the the gaps in a regular mask that air just moves through is that yeah your Omicron's getting in that way, you know. So from that point of view, do you need a, a fitted N95 mask to truly filter out the virus particles, or is it just a tighter mask so that just a regular air with droplets isn't getting into your mask? People don't really mm -hmm. know. What a mess. What a mess. So so I guess the the other the medical dad's question is how did you guys celebrate Christmas? Was it a real down year or were you able to pull off something to to get through that holiday? I mean, we'd already gotten all the gifts and all that kind of stuff bought and ready, so it's not something where suddenly we couldn't go out and get presents or anything like that. Uh, it just meant though that we could not have Christmas with the family. So we didn't get to see uh my uh, parents, we did not get to see um my wife's parents, which was a big downer for those guys. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so that part was, was not that fun, but, uh, we certainly got to spend a lot of time with just the nuclear family and, uh, we were still able to open presents, do that kind of stuff. And I have to say, right. although they all had COVID, this isn't the sickest that I've seen my kids at Christmas before. <laughs> right? Pre COVID. I remember one Christmas where one of my kids, uh, had a flu like illness and yeah, she could just weakly lift up her head, tear the wrapping paper partway off the present and give a sort of a semi smile before putting her head back on the pillow. That was a pretty sad <laughs> Christmas. This one, by comparison, oh. they were they were well enough to open her presents, enjoy them, play with them, stuff like that. Well, 
it's good that you had all that time to spend as a nuclear family because it's not like you won't be spending more of that time together as a nuclear family as we had in the January. <laughs> no kidding. And I, I don't even know. It's not too late for me to potentially develop COVID symptoms. So I'm not out of the woods as of yet because, yeah. well, you know, the last kid could be, I mean, now they're saying you're contagious for five days, but I don't know, somehow the science changed completely once it became convenient for us because before you could be contagious for up to 10 or 14 days afterwards, right? Uh, one, one thing I find kind of humorous, maybe not humorous, but ominous, is that you're allowed to continue to go to work even though your family member has COVID. I actually, that's news to me. I did not realize that. I don't know what the rules are for everybody in every setting, but as a hospital worker, uh, they had announced shortly before Christmas that the rules would be if you're asymptomatic, that's key, uh, but you have a household contact, then you can still go to work provided that you are wearing an N95 mask and all that kind of stuff. Also, and with what we call work isolation, so a lot of rules about where I can be and when. Uh, but also, if you're testing negative on a PCR test and you have to do these daily uh, rapid antigen tests, which I got to say, right. uh, it's not so bad to do it once or twice, but uh, by time you're doing it you know, six or seven days in a row, you're no longer just giving a saliva sample. Now, uh, now they're testing my blood because I'm pulling the swab out of my nose and there's, there's blood on the swab. I'm putting that there. I'm like, oh, that doesn't ruin the test. But if I had some antigens, they should be in there. But I mean, I was as quite saturated with COVID virus. I mean, these kids were sick. They were all over the house. They were all over me. Um, I mean, you could sit, you could literally say that I eat COVID for breakfast because my kids are actually <laughs> coughing on my food and I am eating that. <laughs> Well, unbelievable, unbelievable. And you're still on your feet testing negative through today. We'll see you in a week if you're able to hold out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if I make it through another week, I might stop wearing precautions at work altogether. I might just start being well, we're like, gonna have to, <laughs> I'm safer without the N95. We're going to have to bring in all these scientists. These scientists are going to have to like take samples of your DNA and like uh, use it, study it. <laughs> Seriously. Every, stand behind me, everybody. COVID's coming. <laughs> Uh, stay by me. I'll, I'll absorb it for you. <laughs> Dr. Bruce Banner, someone get a sample of this man's DNA. <laughs> Seriously. Although I think many a people thought that they were the only ones in their family who weren't going to get it and then woke up the next day with a sore throat <laughs> and then everything fell apart. <laughs> Even my last kid, yeah, my yeah, last well, kid to get it was getting somewhat, uh, somewhat cocky uh, before she had a day of being like, oh, I don't feel so good. <laughs> so... Our, on my end, we did not get hit by COVID yet. Knock on wood, nice. right? But it's, it somehow seems it might even be better just to get COVID in a way because the worry about potentially getting this thing is driving us crazy, right? Like your, your Christmas was upended by COVID. My Christmas was just upended by worrying about COVID, right? And I don't know which one's worse at this point. Well, that, that, that actually has been the sentiment from some of the patients. I, I worked a shift earlier today. Uh, and some of the patients that I was seeing when there's, I'm saying like, yeah, yeah no, you, it's COVID, you have COVID. They're saying like, you know, this is kind of a relief because uh, we're so <laughs> worried about this thing for two years. We've been trying to do everything to protect it. And now we have it and it's been five days and, and that's it. Okay. That's what we were afraid of. And we've gone through it now. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about this virus. And I think, I think at this point in the pandemic, there's so much there's only so much we can take as individuals living in this society. Yeah. I think we're all suffering from major COVID exhaustion. Yeah. And then the virus decides to drop this new wave on us and people are just tired of tired of the whole thing. Like no one's listening. No one is really paying attention to the science. People are raising 
so-called questions right that to them don't make any sense which if they just read an article (laughs) once in a while would make sense like i've heard so much of this like i've got two shots of the vaccine they told me this was going to work why isn't this working right like like i don't even know if we should spend time on discussing that stuff i just feel like people are exhausted and their brains are off and we're not in the best state of mind and not to mention this part of you know of north america it's freezing cold right right? it's like minus 20 degrees we're stuck in the house there's nowhere to go and now they tell us our kids have to stay home like my brain can't function much beyond that like we're really just stuck on this i just got to get the homework scanned and handed in again it bets back to that (laughs) i mean very much over the holidays uh or or the at least the kids christmas and holiday break from school i'm thinking oh everybody's got covid so they're not getting out of the house pretty much at all i've still got work to do that i'm trying to get done but it's like all right well if i can make it through this and not succumb to bad symptoms myself my kids will probably be at the point where they meet the criteria for going back to school within a couple of days of school starting. And then they said they're pushing school back two days. And I'm thinking, great, because my kids will be cleared by 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 that day, <laughs> right? by pushing school. So I think, great, once they go back to school, finally I'll get the house to myself, get some work done, get back on track, put this whole thing behind me. And then boom, <laughs> they blow that bridge up uh, by telling us that, yeah, no, no, kids aren't going back to school for two more weeks. Uh, and now, two more weeks, which could be two more Now, months. you did not seriously believe it when they said that we're just going to keep kids at home for two days. You did not believe that that was a legitimate thing that the government was going to do. Well, like there's this this huge wave and you're dealing with it every day at, at work. You're seeing like probably, I don't know how many percentage of your patients have COVID, but there's a high percentage. And you're they're telling you in two days, your kids will be cleared to go back to school. Did you believe that? Well, I'd say more this, that when they said the kids could go back to school or when they announced that the, their response to the Omicron variant was that they're going to postpone school in Ontario for just two more days. I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. When I heard that, I thought, wow, that's unbelievable. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I was expecting from what I was seeing at work was when they make that announcement, they're going to be announcing that school is off for a long period of time. But when they made the announcement, it seemed to me that the approach they were taking, and it seems consistent with some of the other guidelines they're giving right now, that they're taking the approach of eh, everybody's going to get Omicron. We've already decided that is that everyone's getting Omicron, and we're just going to basically try to slow it down a little bit, but let it happen uh, in, in the hopes that Omicron is not as bad, as serious. Because that, that seemed to fit with their guidelines around testing as well, that they announced that, oh, yeah, so before uh, you had to isolate for 10 to 14 days, and uh, anyone who had symptoms, we want you to go get tested. And then all of a sudden, it was a complete 180. Yeah, you know what? You don't need to get tested. If you think you have COVID, just assume you have COVID. It's not necessary to test it. But the good news is you only have to isolate for five days because, because <laughs> reasons. <laughs> um, well, So that's what I thought was happening. I don't think... I don't think that's actually what's happening. Like there, this is there. There is nothing coherent about this plan. I don't think that anyone's sitting there. Let's just let people get it. Although that may ultimately be what happens. I feel like what's happened is that our entire system just fell apart. Like our entire testing COVID system was built on these rickety stilts <laughs> that this virus just came and huffed and puffed and knocked all of it over. Right. Like yeah. the reason that they're telling people not to get tested is because almost everyone's testing positive. Right. <laughs> right. If you show up in that line right yeah. you're going to go home with a positive result so what's the point of even showing up that's how that's the reason of not wanting people to test like i'm kidding but the positivity rate in the last few days 
you know, that was being quoted was over 30%, right? That's saying that 30% of the people that have decided for some reason to go in that line and get a test are coming back positive, right? Yeah. There, there is a number where at a certain point, it's like there's no need to even bother for the test because we're coming back with so many positives, yeah. right? And, and in my small sample size within my practice, I was looking at because throughout the pandemic, my patients have been getting tested and I get the results, you know, and I have 2,000 patients, right? And I was like, okay, like starting on December 22nd, like every single test came back positive. Like I was like hitting, batting 800 or 900, right? It was insane, yeah. Yeah. right? And I could see like, yeah, there's probably no point in getting tested. And all the other markers that we used to use to determine like how bad the thing is, like the yeah. other marker that everyone in that I knew was like every day they would sit down and look at Twitter and Twitter would announce like in Ontario today there are 50 cases or 500 cases, yeah. 1,000 cases, 3,000 cases. At some point, that number just also fell apart on the rickety stilts, right? Yeah. Like suddenly they got to 13,000, but they're like, we're not, we're going to suspend testing. So beyond this, you don't even want to know how many people in the community have it, right? And, and there's not enough tests to go around. Like that's also part of it. Like they're just physically not enough tests. People are scrambling for tests. I saw news articles about people like scrambling from one place to the next, trying to obtain these rapid tests, right? Or paying big money for these yeah. rapid tests. Like they had to arrest people for, to, for, <laughs> for reselling tests because that's actually yeah. against the law in Canada. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of nonsense happening. I don't think people really know what's what anymore. It just seems like, though, ultimately, most people are probably going to catch this one. It is really hard to avoid. And that's, that's my prediction is that by the end of February, uh, the penetration will be very high. So almost everybody will have had it. But fortunately, if it's not as uh, deadly, then uh, we won't see like all these people dying from it. We'll just see that everybody's having it. But with the schools... When they, so when they announced that, that their solution was to push school back two days in Ontario. So for anyone not living in Ontario in our province, that, that's how they handled it here. Uh, so that, I was surprised when I heard that. But then I'm like, okay, I guess that's their approach is that they are kind of also thinking that it's going to be that prevalent. Keeping them out of schools isn't going to likely make a difference. So then I was surprised again when then two days later they said, just <laughs> kidding, actually, different plan. We're going to keep kids out of school for two weeks with the logic being that will give us enough time to get everybody vaccinated, which is like, I don't see how you're going to get enough vaccine for the entire province in two weeks. Um, so now I'm not expected. Now I would be surprised again, I suppose, if in two weeks they actually let the kids back into school. But there was a period of time where I thought that we would be going back to school. First of all, my understanding of it was that it would take it when you get a vaccine, it's not like you're protected tomorrow. Like, let's say you get vaccinated. It takes a couple of weeks for your body to really build up the protection. I don't know exactly how long that length of time is for the booster shot of COVID, but I'm assuming it's not instantaneous. I think they've been saying 14 days. They've been saying yeah. when you get your booster, then consider yourself boosted in 14 days. Right. First of all, we're not going to have vaccinated the rest of the province. Like there is a significant amount of the province that does not even have the first dose. <laughs> right. And those are, and, you know, those, a lot of them are ending up in the hospital. But even people with two doses, there's no way they can vaccinate all the people with two doses within the next two weeks. The original thing when they said that they were going to keep the schools closed for two days was to allow 
people two days to get all the equipment that they needed to allow all the teachers to get all the yeah. masking and shields that they needed and you know how the government purchases stuff there's no way they're going to get all these equipment ready for people in two days <laughs> a hepa filter every school is supposed to get a hepa filter uh, even though there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that that would stop the spread of omicron but whatever <laughs> i don't know i mean as a North American, we're supposed to love democracy. Democracy's messy. This is how decisions get made in the upper echelons of power. And you see these about faces and flip-flops. And that's part of what makes democracy great, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy it. <laughs> but at the same time, I was listening to the uh, our premier, Doug Ford, right? This is the person who is the face of these decisions in Ontario, mm. even though his go-to line is to say, I'm just following what the experts say. Uh, <laughs> you have any questions, I'll defer that to this doctor over here. But uh, in the when I was driving to work after he had made that first announcement, uh, I'm hearing on the radio people uh, asking more questions. So the media is asking questions. And the questions they're asking them are kind of stupid questions to start with. You know, They're saying... You said, uh, you're, you're saying that schools will open in two weeks, but how can we trust you that it's going to open in two weeks uh, when in the past it stayed closed longer <laughs> than you said it would? And it's like, so what, what exactly do you want uh, here? The guy is saying that from the evidence they have right now, they think that uh, it's going to be two weeks. But he could just as easily say, yeah, six months. Right. And then <laughs> and then if it gets better before six months, then he can open it earlier. Uh, so is that what the people want? They want just lie to me and tell me the worst case scenario and then surprise me with something better. Because <laughs> it's not like the guy has any way of knowing uh, when schools are going to be ready to open. Well, it begs the, the issue of like, well, he could just say that. He could just say we don't know. We're closed indefinitely. Right. That would be much more palatable to you and me, probably. Right. No, if you just came would, out and said people that. would be just as angry. The reporters would come out with just as many questions. How how can it be closed indefinitely? When <laughs> when will we know? How can you not know? How, you have to give us some idea of when things are gonna. It's like he has no idea. The people who are <laughs> making the decisions that he is then like repeating are telling him like two weeks. But truly, I don't think anybody knows in two weeks if they're gonna be ready to open it or not. No, but one thing is different. One thing is different about this wave of the pandemic compared to the earlier one. The, the thing that I've noticed is that there is no talk of any of our very important, critical, you know, industries of professional sports shutting down again the way it did in 2020. So, I, you know, I'm not thankful that much for stuff that the Americans do, but it's really great that during this pandemic, you can still turn on a TV and there are these full stadiums of hockey teams, basketball teams still playing all their games, right? I, I saw the NBA has this thing where where when a, when a player gets COVID, they don't actually say that the player has COVID. They say the player has been placed under COVID protocols, right? <laughs> Whatever that means. Presumably you and your family got placed into COVID protocols, right? Is, is everybody on the team not always following some kind of protocol vis-a-vis -vis COVID? <laughs> Are so, the players on the court not following protocols? Well, so the crazy thing that happened recently was that so many players started dropping like flies, yeah. right? That the league started to run out of players, right? They have they have these rules of like how many minimum players you need to field a team in the NBA, right? Or else the game will just break down. Like you're supposed to cancel the game. Like it's like back in the old days when I used to play like NBA on like my computer, I would try to like foul out every player to see what would happen if at some point 
would the computer like blow a gasket if you only had four <laughs> players that you could put on the court at any moment? Basically, that's what's happening, right? So, so they started to wheel out these old veteran players, like some this guy named Joe Johnson, who'd been out of the league for years, returns to the Boston Celtics, and they said this is the longest period of time between when he was initially on the Boston Celtics to today. Like 19 years had passed from when he was first drafted to now when he's returned, and they were making a big deal about how he got to play again in the pros. And I'm like, is this even pro basketball if half the players are gone and you're like filling in as a scab like is this something to celebrate but at least there's at least there's programming on television it's not like last time when we had to start watching like the world series from 1993 like there's actually stuff and i don't think the americans are going to shut anything down so we're good to go in terms of sports even if our kids have nothing to learn the, the, the professional sports leagues are still open and we got that to be thankful for so, so we might actually get to see the the star of the original Space Jam play against the star of the current Space Jam movie. <laughs> well, that would be something. That, I, I was actually hoping that Jeremy Lin would be able to use this opportunity to get back in the NBA for one more shot. But it, it saddens me to think that he cannot make it even in this COVID-infested environment where they're giving out free passes to anybody with a pulse. I remember at uh, one point somebody's having this conversation with me when they were earlier in the pandemic saying, I don't understand why we can't just with testing and uh, precautions have everything go back to normal. <laughs> at, I think he was talking about wherever he worked or whatever, saying like, you know, because, uh, you know, if the uh, if the NBA and the NHL can c- function totally <laughs> fine without having any losing any players, then we could do the same. It's not that big a deal. Like, mm, I don't think that's true anymore. <laughs> I don't think it was true then well, either, but I don't think it's true anymore. <laughs> now, there is one truth, and this is something the medical dads have been pushing since day one, which is that if everyone just stayed home for two weeks, true. this thing would be over. I know when people get COVID, everybody's, well, people's instinct is the same, right? Somebody gets COVID and their thing is, you know, I've been good all this time. I've been following this protocol. What, why I got it or how I got my family is because I trusted this one guy. I trusted this person. <laughs> they, it's their fault because they don't follow protocols. But it's like, no, 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 no. Uh, if you were following, if, if you were doing things so great, then you would not have had exposure to one guy because you know that you're taking a risk anytime you do anything. Uh, and no matter what people say, you know that people have had their exposures. Um, I mean, even with us, like we made a... We took a calculated risk when we said we would get together with people at Christmas, uh, which sure, in retrospect, it's like, ah, maybe we should have waited just a little bit longer, but uh, can't blame other people for that. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's on us. <laughs> I, I'm impressed. This is the, we've done like over 100 episodes. This is the first time I have heard you use that voice, the voice of the fictional character who sounds mentally obtunded. <laughs> Right. As he's <laughs> proclaiming his innocence about COVID, that voice has appeared like four times already today. <laughs> maybe that's just how my voice sounds now. Maybe I'm having more COVID <laughs> symptoms than I thought. Uh, so, I mean, I'll tell you what happened to us dur- during the Christmas break. Like uh, similar to you, like, you know, we were going to the Christmas holidays and I was like, there was some there was some whiff that things were going to start to fall apart like it, it wasn't didn't come out of nowhere right like yeah. my kids came back from school with all their belongings the school told them there's a chance that yeah. you might not be coming back that was the first clue right yeah. and and then we get into the early part of of their break and the case numbers are starting to go up and then i started to hear through the medical grapevine aka twitter which is always right apparently right they were and they're saying that you know they expect case numbers to hit ten thousand ish 
by Christmas. And at that time, case numbers were around 2,000, 3,000. So this seemed like, oh, like that would be a bit of a jump, right? Yeah. And, you know, we're getting a little queasy. We get into the early part of the of the kids' break and we're like, should we be hanging out with people? Like we're having the same discussion you guys are. Like, should we be making plans? And at the last minute, we were like, you know what? Let's not go anywhere because the numbers started to really creep up as we got towards the 25th, yeah. right? And I felt at that point that the reason that everyone knew that this thing was coming, but they didn't want to screw up Christmas. So the politicians were like, let's let people have their Christmas cake and eat it. And we'll deal with this into the new year. Yeah. Right. Then they kept stalling more. Right. So we kept going to 25th, 26th, 27th, 29th. I went out and played tennis right with my brother-in-law. This is like indoor tennis. And I've been, I had started playing maybe about a month ago, right? Yeah. Like it took me two years off during covid and my my tennis elbow finally healed i'm getting some actual exercise finally feeling good right so i'm going to tennis and i'm and i'm hearing about these cases i'm looking up online like how safe is an indoor tennis bubble right (laughs) i asked some of my tennis buddies they're like it should be all right like like it's a it's a positive pressure bubble like they're pumping air into the thing and pumping air out right all the time and and the bubble is quite large right like it goes quite high into the air so it's not like you're trapped in a small room and out of all the sports in the world tennis is probably one of the most socially distant sports right at least six you're not yeah you're very far you're other than the part where you walk in the door of the building and then you know walk to your court other than that you're not really around anyone so i kept deluding myself that it was relatively safe crazy thing is i played on the 29th right and then i came home like my wife's like yeah we probably should stop that it's it's starting to get a little bit unsafe 29th is not that long ago today's january 4th yeah. i counted on my fingers 29 30 31st one two three four. that's a week ago yeah i was still living a normal life <laughs> and somewhere in the middle of that life just completely fell apart did they did they send your kids home with a bunch of testing kits over the holidays yeah, they sent us home with kits and told us, use it on January 2nd, right? Every kid has to show that they have a negative result on January 2nd before they come in on January 3rd. Yeah. Now I got an email saying every kid's going to use that kit on January 16th and then show it on the 17th when they come in. I'm like, no, we're, schools are not opening on the 17th. I, Doug Ford isn't willing to say it. I'm going to say it for Doug Ford. We're going back at the end of March break at best. I think that's a realistic thing. All right, Premier, just say it. Just tell us like it is. Uh, I could go, I suppose it could go that long um, or longer, but uh, I think we're not, things have really changed and they're changing every day in the sense that before it was all about looking at the numbers, the numbers of COVID. Nobody's looking at the numbers of COVID anymore because we're not testing There are no numbers. That's right. (laughs) Right. Now it's it's hospitalizations and uh, and ICU visits, I think, that that they care about. So if if it actually turns out that over the next month, uh, we aren't actually seeing an increase in intensive care unit or hospital hospitalizations, then, uh, then I could see them potentially putting kids back in school. Yeah, a lot's going to depend on whether or not the public is wanting to go back to school versus not. Because I think some well, of this the public, being the political. public wants to go back to school. I, speaking on behalf of the entire population of parents <laughs> in the world, wants to go back to school. But I feel like some people are becoming COVID afraid again. So, for example, in the emergency department, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was quiet in the emergency department because people were afraid to go to the hospital. But then mm-hmm. they got over that. and People were happy to come to the hospital. They couldn't go to their other places where they would normally go, but they were happy to come to the emergency department. Or at least 
like because they couldn't go anywhere else, they were willing to come to the emergency department. And they, the fear of catching COVID in the emergency department didn't keep them away. But now I'm starting to hear that mm -hmm. sentiment again. I mean, it's still busy in the emergency department, but I'm talking to patients uh, when I do virtual stuff and whatnot, where they're saying, yeah, well, I, I, I don't want to go to the emergency department because I heard on the news that all you doctors have it and I'm going to catch it if I come and see you there. <laughs> That's where you should have explained. I might have it. I'm getting tested every day, but I've tested negative so far and see if that reassures them. <laughs> Although I should warn you that uh, at my house, once I take the testing kit out of its package, it immediately turns positive because there's so much COVID antigen just in the air <laughs> that it reacts with the test before I can actually use it. Oh, I this is just a nutty situation, man. I actually had no idea that you guys all tested positive, but uh, nutty, just completely <laughs> nutty. I don't even know what to say. I thought it would be more fun to tell you while we were recording. <laughs> so... I mean, I guess we should talk a little bit before we go about like the medicine of it. I mean, yeah. we, we've touched on most of it, right? Uh, we've touched on the rules changing. We've touched on the isolation period being shortened. Yeah. I mean, what, what's our overall advice? I guess what's our overall advice to people about COVID? Should we, should we be telling parents, you know, you're going to get it. Let's just deal with that reality. Is that what we should be telling people at this point? Well, I don't think I'm ready to start telling people stop taking precautions because it's a foregone conclusion that you're going to have COVID. Uh, what I would say to people is if things keep going at their current, in the current way with Omicron being Omicron, then yeah, it'll only be a matter of time before everybody gets it. Uh, what we do know is that if you have two mm -hmm. doses of vaccine, then so far it seems that when you get it, you don't get as sick as you would. Uh, and if you have the booster, then there's an increased chance that you won't get it at all. Uh, right. So what people should really be doing is trying to make sure that they that uh, any vaccine that they're eligible for, that they are trying to get that. And if, right. if they're closing schools and doing all these things in the hope it can slow down the spread of COVID, they'd use that time to get yourself and your kids, if they're eligible, vaccinated. That's probably right. the biggest thing. Then you may still get it, but hopefully you'll be able to still open presents on the holidays and then, you know, walk out of it and tell jokes about it. But You're talking uh, about 2022 Christmas now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't say this thing was going away tomorrow. But it doesn't have to be Christmas. But any birthday or whatever you have, if you get your kids vaccinated, get your boosters, then you might still be able to enjoy that time. Uh, here's, whereas, uh, here's one question. Here's, here's one question before you float away on this topic mm. is... The children's vaccine. There's a lot of talk online about whether children should get this vaccine earlier or not. I think you and I chat about this briefly during the break. Yeah. And so basically the original recommendation was that kids should get the first dose and then wait eight weeks for the second dose. But yeah. there is this growing movement that says get the second dose earlier. Right. And that the trade off in terms of like how effective the vaccine is versus, you know, just getting that second dose in and getting that added protection earlier seems to make it worth it. Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah. You know, the, uh, when they are determining how far apart two doses of vaccine have to be, when they're first designing the vaccine and doing that, they choose these numbers somewhat arbitrarily. And uh, for COVID in particular, I think they, they chose numbers that were based around the practicalities of how they're going to distribute the vaccine and how much will be available. So mm -hmm. at any rate, the numbers that you start with, eight weeks, 10 weeks, six months, these things are not hard science to say, oh, that's how long it, it needs to be, or that not how, how long it has to be. So I wouldn't advocate for people to say, um, well, no, no, no government body, nobody is recommending that I take the vaccine like one week apart between doses, but I'm going to do it anyway so I can get it faster. I wouldn't say that, but uh, 
Um, certainly, if, uh, if the recommendations say that you can now get it earlier than eight weeks, I wouldn't be suspicious saying like, oh, but the original recommendation was eight weeks, so I don't want to get it earlier. I would say, mm -hmm. no, you're better off getting it earlier because the, the delaying it just means that you're potentially delaying the benefit of having both doses. And certainly, mm -hmm. there's no worry that something bad will happen to you because you took the vaccine doses closer apart than further apart. But on the other end of things, uh, there is this issue that the vaccine immunity seems to wane, seems to wear off. So mm -hmm. uh, if you get your two doses earlier, then that does mean that at the other end of things, that those two doses may wear off quicker. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, it, it would be helpful to make that decision if you knew for sure how available the booster would be or your next dose available is going to be after the fact later. Right. Uh, but nonetheless, my advice to people would be, yeah, if you have the opportunity to get the vaccine a bit earlier, then you might as well get it now because Omicron is very contagious. And the longer you're not covered by both vaccines, the more likely you're going to get sicker. Absolutely. I am, I'm in agreement with that. Like we've been looking, there's no, a lot of these questions, there's no real great long-term set answer, you know? So our answers can change with time, yeah. but I think at this point in time, that's a reasonable option. For people and if and if you do feel like you want to wait the two weeks you know we're only we're splitting hairs like the, just get the vaccines done yeah. you know a little earlier a little later that's not as important as the fact of just getting it done and i think there's still a significant number of people out there who are not wanting to do that and that's a whole other thing that we've talked about yeah the chances of getting it are high so if you delay and then you get it <laughs> while you were delaying you're going to be saying to yourself oh man maybe this would have been better if i had that vaccine by now Let, let's but, finish off by talking a little bit about what what should parents be doing at this point of the pandemic mentally like what can we do to ward off covid fatigue at this point uh, and if we had an answer to that question i think we'd be doing better than a podcast right now <laughs> <laughs> well this is your chance man this is our chance i mean i guess one of the things that i could talk about is and one of the questions I'm getting asked often now is I'm, I'm seeing patients, they're, at, they're saying to me, okay, I have COVID, now what? Uh, or my, my child has COVID, you know, what do we got to do? Uh, and what, what uh, it tends to come down to at the end is, uh, look, if you have COVID, well, it's unfortunate, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, most people, most kids with COVID are going to do fine. And uh, mm -hmm. Omicron in particular, people usually are going to do fine. So... Uh, you know, yes, you should be going to, you should, you know, you should be taking all the measures to try to avoid catching it. Absolutely. But uh, you shouldn't be hopefully losing sleep every night and living in a constant state of stress about what happens if I get it? What, what, what could happen if I get it? Am I going to get it tomorrow? <laughs> Do your best. And then if you get it, well, then treat it the way you would treat a cold or a flu. And if your kid's going to get sicker, then of course, if they get sicker and you got to Bring them to the hospital, and you got to do something about it. Uh, but bear in mind that even if you get COVID, most people are going to do as well as they did the last time they had a flu or a cold. And so, uh, just deal with what's in front of you instead of trying to worry about well, what could happen next? What could happen? Well, next? I, I think for many parents, we're not sitting here worrying about the actual virus. You know, we've read about it. We know most people don't get that sick. It's kind of like a flu, cold, it'll pass. Yeah. It's not that part that's exhausting. What's exhausting about COVID is dealing with 
you know, the world of COVID that we live in, right? Like yeah. dealing with the fact that schools are closed, dealing with the fact that you can't go to a restaurant, dealing with the fact that tennis is gone, right? Yeah. Dealing with the fact that you're watching second rate professional basketball. Like these are all things that have made our world very difficult to live in for various reasons. That's the part that's tiring. I'm, I'm not losing sleep worrying about, you know, the actual symptoms so much. It's more worrying about, oh, this week, the, like suddenly, yeah. I, I mean, I guess I should have been more prepared, but suddenly I was like, okay, uh, got to stay home with the kids. Uh, got to cancel a whole bunch of patients. Got to call patients at night. Got to call patients whenever I can to try to get through the week, right? Like, yeah. it's like you're trying to carry on your regular life, but the world has changed and you have to figure out a way to adapt. That gets tiring. Like, yeah. it is fun to adapt and it's nice, but it is exhausting. It's true. It's true. I mean, people got to cut themselves some slack. People got to say, you know, well, look, it's COVID. I'm dealing with COVID. And so <laughs> not everything's going to get done on time. Things aren't going to function the same way. And yeah, I, my mood, I'm going to be maybe grouchier. I'm going to be maybe shorter with people. And I can't be constantly feeling guilty or blaming myself for it. So there's that. Uh, and then people got to try to take care of themselves. People got to, you know, just like mental health, even before COVID, People have to sort of figure out, well, what, what are the things I do that are actually productive things to help me relax, unwind, and take mm. stress off, uh, as, as, as opposed to turning to all the destructive things that we normally do, like eating a bag <laughs> of chips to make yourself feel better, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Oh, you just took the words right out of my mouth. I had Friday night lightly salted Lay's chips in mind as you were delivering that monologue, and now you have to take that away from me, too. <laughs> I like the idea of Friday nights, open a bag of chips with my wife. I think the idea of, uh, you know, but COVID's there, not just Friday night, it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, <laughs> Sunday through Monday, yo, I'm going to eat a bag of chips well, every day. Well, you know that you have four children. When you and your wife open a bag of chips, I'm sure you each get like four chips and then the <laughs> bag is done. That's how chips go during the pandemic. That depends if we're opening the pre-bedtime bag of chips or the post-bedtime <laughs> bag of chips. <laughs> but yeah, you know, same as always, uh, you got to figure out what is it that I do that actually helps me like to feel better. Uh, what is it that I actually do to help myself de-stress? And you got to be honest with yourself about what are the things that are actually good for me and for my mental health, and what are the things that uh, are uh, like a, a self-destructive way of coping. <laughs> I think a bag of chips <laughs> well, here and there is fine, but I, hopefully yeah, I'm not doing something worse than that. Gotta say that the podcast, recording the podcast is a nice little thing that keeps me going on days like this. I gotta say. Uh, glad to know that your entire mental health hinges on me in this podcast. <laughs> that alone keeps me going. I don't know if I can face there another go, day, Dave. but someone's got to take care of Dave. <laughs> don't worry. We are, we are still here. As long as we are still standing through this pandemic, people, you will hear the medical dads deliver deliver information, useful or not, throughout this pandemic. That's what we're here for. That's right. We suggest you take your headphones, you take this episode, Friday night, curl up with this and a bag of lightly salted chips, and just do what you have to do. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Stu, I hope everyone on your end gets well soon. I mean, it sounds like almost everyone is better, but that you guys are back and ready to go deal with the rest of the pandemic with the rest of us. Thanks, man. I hope everyone on your end stays well. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. It, it has been crazy. Like, you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just a pandemic. Like I was thinking about it this past year and a half, like 
my parents, they've been in and out of the hospital. And it's like this random game of chance, right? You, you, right now, if you get go to have to go to the hospital for something, it's like, boom, got to go alone, no translator, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, we've been lucky. Like, these things have kind of fallen at times where the virus hasn't been insane. Like, ev- to everybody out there, like, this has just been a long year. I mean, <laughs> it's only the fourth day of the year. It's been a long year, but it's been a long year and a half, two years that we're going on. Keep fighting the good fight. And we will see how things evolve over the coming weeks. I'm sure we'll talk more about this virus before it's all said and done. So you're not alone, folks. We'll be here with you every week, more or less. <laughs> all right. And, and in case you guys are suffering from COVID exhaustion, we did actually debate, you know, should we talk about anything else this week? Is there anything else going on in the world? We thought about, you know, doing an episode on Full House because that's what people need at this point in the <laughs> pandemic. But no, I think this was more important. See you next week, folks. Good night.